Greetings in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Last week we celebrated the day of Pentecost, a day marking the coming of the Holy Spirit in power, launching the Christian church. The Spirit of God was poured out on those gathered in the upper room and beyond, uniting people of different backgrounds and places, breaking down barriers that divide, giving people a fresh capacity to listen to one another and to reach out with love and understanding. If ever there was a time for a fresh infusion of God's Spirit, it's now in our land, filled as it is right now with deep anger and pain and sorrow and heartache. God alone can change human hearts. It's it's through the Spirit of God that we can be reconciled to God and to one another. It's through the Spirit of God that we can eradicate a spirit of unrighteous anger and resentment, callousness, violence, and bitterness, and cultivate instead a spirit of gentleness, kindness, peace, and love. In all the chaos and division, let us look to our own hearts and pray, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. And then let each of us go forth to honor and respect every human being as Jesus did, for we are all made in the image of God. So may it be. Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Help us now to hear and to obey your word. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning, today is from Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. Jesus calls his first disciples. Listen to God's word. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. It makes you wonder, why did those four fishermen all of a sudden leave their nets to follow some stranger who happened to appear one fine morning, saying, come with me? Immediately they left their nets, says the scripture, and went with him, as though they didn't even give it a second thought. Have you ever wondered how uh, old man Zebedee must have felt? Left all alone in the boat with the nets? Well, you know, it's very possible that these fishermen had met Jesus beforehand, or at least knew something about him. The reports were all over Galilee of this miracle worker teacher. Their encounter with Jesus wasn't necessarily as abrupt as the scripture makes it sound, but even if they had some prior passing acquaintance with Jesus, the the question remains, why would these men leave their place of business and their families to go heaven knows where with this guy? Why did they follow him? Well, maybe I could make it more personal. I am a modern-day disciple of Jesus, so why did I decide to follow him? I grew up in the church, and I really can't remember a time when I was not a Christian. I was baptized as an infant by my great-uncle, who was a congregational minister, and I was raised in a Christian home. And I was one of those kids who loved going to church, always feeling at home there. 
Even though I had the advantage and blessing of being raised in the faith, I still had to make that faith my own. A second-hand faith derived from my family background wouldn't suffice. So right after graduation from high school, I went to a Christian summer camp for youth run by Young Life. It's called Malibu outside of Vancouver, Canada. It was a, it was a beautiful place, situated as it was on the water, and I had the time of my life. In the evenings, various speakers would present the claims of Jesus and each issued an invitation to follow him. I remember one evening going off by myself with my Bible in hand, the, the J.B. Phillips version, newly purchased from the camp store, and I happened to turn to Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, where Paul writes, I long to know Christ and the power shown by his resurrection. It occurred to me that I knew about Christ, but I didn't really know him. So I prayed then and there, okay, Lord, show me who you are. I really want to know you. You lead, Lord, and I will follow. And so it was that evening at Malibu, British Columbia, when I dropped my nets, so to speak, and chose to follow Jesus more intentionally. It's important to say, however, that I didn't so much choose him as he chose me. And that's how it is with every disciple. You did not choose me, but I chose you, says Jesus in the Gospel of John. And there's an important sense in which God was pursuing me and calling me even before I even knew there was a God. God was drawing me to himself even before I knew it. It's only because the Spirit of God was first at work in me that I can respond at all to God's call and claim upon my life. God first chooses us. Jesus didn't wait for Peter and Andrew, James, and John to come to him. He went after them. He came calling by the seashore, and they followed. He chooses us, but that's not to deny that we also must choose him as well. I mean, we have free will. We make choices, and sometimes we make good choices, and sometimes we make bad ones. It's extremely important that we make the right choice. Well, I made a choice to follow Jesus, and I believe it to be the wisest choice I ever made. So why do I continue to follow Jesus? For one thing, I find the person of Jesus to be very compelling. As I read scripture and study the life and teachings of Jesus, there's something about his life and message that just grabs me. His life speaks to me like no other. In fact, the more I study him and follow him, the more enamored I am. There's something magnetic about his personality. There, there's a beauty in his life that makes him more attractive than any other religious teacher. There's a character of, of his life marked by simplicity and, and holiness, compassion and strength. There's the character of his teaching, bold, deep, incisive, cutting to the heart of the most profound issues of life. He's the wisest teacher who ever lived. To be sure, I, I sometimes find his teachings difficult to understand or to put into practice, and sometimes he says things I really don't want to hear, but still I am drawn to his words, for they resonate deep within me. They have the ring of authenticity. I can only say with the disciples of old, Lord, you have the words of eternal life. Where else are we going to go? I'm drawn to him because... In him, I can see the kind of life God has always intended for me to live. He shows me what it means to live a truly authentic human life. I feel compelled to want to know him more deeply because way down inside, I want to be like him. 
Everybody needs a hero in life, someone to pattern their life after, and my hero is Jesus Christ. Those fishermen must have felt the beauty and force of his personality even as he stood there on the seashore. They found something compelling and strangely attractive in this man that caused them to want to leave their nets. I can say it caused me to want to leave mine. My life hasn't been the same since. But there's something else that causes me to want to follow, and that is my human need. I am in need of a savior. Now, like most people, I tend to think of myself as a pretty decent guy. I mean, most of the time I seem to have my act together and I'm a reasonably well-adjusted individual. And yet deep down inside, I realize that all is not always well with me. When I'm honest with myself, I know that I am a needy, weak individual who struggles at times with unhealthy impulses and wrong desires and hurtful passions. My heart is not always a picture of spiritual health. I remember someone saying very candidly to me, uh, you know, I feel in me at times two impulses. On the one hand, there's a capability to do very evil acts. And on the other hand, I know I'm capable of acts of gentleness, mercy, and love. Well, I can relate to that, and maybe you can too. I mean, one moment we can um, be all sweetness and light, and then another time we can act like the very devil. We can be so full of compassion one moment, only to find ourselves at the mercy of our own anger, bitterness, jealousy, greed, pride, selfishness, what have you. We, we get bogged down in guilt and resentment. When we uh, gather together for the traditional classic worship service, we, we join in a unison prayer of confession. And I always find that prayer to be uh, uncomfortable. It uncomfortably strikes home every time. A bit of self-examination, self-honesty and coming before a holy God. It, it reminds me that I really do need a savior. I need someone to follow who can lead me through the sickness of, of the human heart to freedom and to love. And that's what Jesus came to do. He, he came to save you and me from our sins and to make a new life possible for us. He came on the scene saying, repent, turn away from your sins because the kingdom of heaven is here. Come, follow me. I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. He gives me what I need, forgiveness, and the power to live a new kind of life. I choose to follow Jesus because I need a Savior. Could it be that those rugged fishermen felt the same way in the presence of, of the Holy One himself? I need a savior who will not only save me from my sins and give me new life, but who will reach out to me and give me a hope to hold on to and a future to claim. I've always loved that, that, that verse from Jeremiah. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. We wonder about the future. I mean, we've had a particularly horrible spring. Fear runs rampant, trouble abounds, the world at times appears to be spinning out of control, but, but I find Jesus steadies me and gives me hope for the future. In him, I find the only security I can count on. In the world, you have tribulation, says Jesus, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And I can't imagine facing life's darkest hours not having Jesus in my life. He's the hope and light of my life. Because he's the Savior, nothing will ultimately harm me. Not even death itself has the power to separate me from his love. 
I am reminded of, of the great words of the Heidelberg Catechism, which comes from our theological tradition. A catechism is in question and answer format. Question, what is your only comfort in life and death? Answer, that I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from all the power of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of life eternal and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. Peter, Andrew, James, John, all fishermen would learn that if Jesus the Savior is in the boat with them, they need not be overwhelmed by the storms of life. Fear not, it's I, says Jesus. What a comfort. And I choose to follow Jesus because he makes life worth living by giving me a great task to do. To the men in the fishing boat, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. He was moving these men from their occupation as fishermen to recognize their vocation to be heralds of the good news of the kingdom. He's saying, hey, you guys, you have bigger fish to fry. They were to catch people for God and for the kingdom by their words, by the quality of their lives. They were now in the employ of the King of Kings. Jesus enlisted the disciples in a cause that mattered and mattered eternally. And really, isn't that what we all want? We all want to make our lives count. We all want to give our lives to something that's bigger than ourselves, something that's truly worthwhile, makes a difference in the lives of others. We all want to make our mark in the world for good. There is no greater cause than to invest ourselves in the service of Jesus Christ. We don't all have to be ministers who speak from pulpits. We don't all have to leave our nets to become missionaries in some other part of the world. But in fact, you and I can be a witness and a fisher for Christ wherever we happen to find ourselves. At the lunch counter, in the teacher's lounge, at the cash register, in the office, we can be reaching out to the people in our lives, acting as agents of his healing and redeeming love, helping others to know the Savior. That's worth doing. It's our highest calling in life. There's nothing like having a great task to do to make life worthwhile. Viktor Frankl, the great psychiatrist, once wrote, The reason so many people are unhappy today and seeking help to cope with life is that they fail to understand what human existence is all about. Until we recognize that life is not just something to be enjoyed, but rather a task that each of us has assigned, we'll never find meaning in our lives, and we will never be truly happy. His compelling personality, my human need for a Savior, the meaning that he brings to life by the bestowal of a great and important task, these are among the reasons why I made the choice to follow Jesus and continue to do so. It's truly the best choice I could make. It hasn't always been easy, for sure. No one will ever claim that it is because Christ did not say, come and lie on my cushion. But he said, take up your cross 
and follow me. And sometimes I don't follow, follow very well and I get off the right path. But gently he brings me back. And in the following, there is joy. Have you decided to follow Jesus? In our scripture reading from Matthew, I'm struck by the word immediately. Immediately they left their nets and went with him. We can spend a lot of time thinking about his call. We can talk a lot about being a disciple and what it all means. We can talk a good game. But sometimes that can be a substitute for actually following. When Christian writer chides, stop all this chattering about Christ and take one little step, however diffident or even laughably small it may be, along his path. One inch in his direction is worth more than a thousand miles of discussion about him. Immediately they left their nets. You don't have to know everything there is to know about Jesus, as if that was possible. In fact, we may not know much of anything at all. You just have to take a step in his direction. Now is the time to choose to follow if you have never done so. Or if, if, uh, if we already consider ourselves to be disciples, now is the time to take our discipleship more seriously and follow him more intently and purposefully. We are all being invited to face again the challenge of the one who says, follow me, I am the way and the truth and the life. Do we hear him calling? Will we follow him 